0: Amen. Well, good evening again and welcome to Sunday night service at Moody Church. My name is Pastor Michael and it's so good to have you worship with us. I hope you've had a great Sunday. If you're here in Chicago, hopefully you got outside either in your backyard or some way, someplace else away from people to enjoy the sunshine, which is so nice to see after a crazy week of weather here in Chicago. And I am so excited for this new series that we're starting here at Sunday night service called hope is here. Now, Moody Church, if, if you're like me, you spent a lot more time at home over the last several weeks and well, it's been a month now, right, that, that we spent a lot of time at home and perhaps like me, you've busted out some old board games or watched some of your favorite movies from years past. And one of the movies that is my favorite when I think of my favorite movies is the original Star Wars, not like the one that came out last year, right, but the one that came out decades ago, the very first one. And in that movie, right, if you recall back with me at the start, Princess Leia sends off two droids to a planet because they are under attack. They're, of course, found by a guy named Luke, who then takes them to his crazy Uncle Ben, right? And then in this scene, which we are familiar with, the R2-D2 tells the story of, of Princess Leia and what she has. And she closes her appeal with this phrase. This is our most desperate hour. Help me. Obi-Wan Kenobi you're my only hope you're my only hope and in this movie, as you know there's this cry of desperation of great need that there's nowhere else to turn to and in the midst of that hope arises and it's singularly placed on a certain person And so the next several weeks, we're gonna look at what the Bible has to say about hope and what it looks like for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, how our hope in Jesus changes how we live today, how it changes how we live right now. You know, before we even open God's word together tonight, I want us to start just by talking about what hope means. Because when we use the word hope, it's so different than how God's word uses hope. So we would say things like, man, I hope it doesn't snow again this week. It's crazy. It's April. I hope that dinner is good tonight. And certainly all of us have probably said things like, I hope this pandemic leaves sometimes soon. When we often define hope, it's a earthly hope. You could define it this way, something just to feel that something desired may happen. Right? This is what I want to happen. It's a desire of mine. And I'm, I'm hoping that it takes place. And unfortunately, when we use hope in this way, really sometimes it comes down to just wishful thinking and things that we don't really have any control over. And it's just, I wish this becomes another way of saying, I hope this. But when the Bible uses the word hope, it's a lot different than just wishful thinking. One dictionary defined biblical hope this way, which I really liked. It said, the confident expectation for what God has promised. The confident expectation of what God has promised. See biblical hope is a confident expectation. And I love this because biblical hope isn't based on our own desires, but biblical hope is based in God's faithfulness. Biblical hope is based in the promises and the faithfulness of God to provide what he has promised. One author put it this way. Hope is a faithful confidence that God continues to author a story that moves us from vision to action. And in our world today, in this global pandemic COVID-19, in which we find ourselves, we need a biblical kind of hope, not just wishful thinking, right? As we wander through some difficult days and through some tough times, we need more than just positive thoughts for the future. Um, my heart's been a lot this week with, with a friend and mentor of mine who actually wrote a book on hope that I read in preparing for this series who uh, I saw this past week on Tuesday lost his mother due to COVID-19 complications and then Friday morning lost his dad. What do you say to someone who lost both of their parents in a single week? They need more than just wishful thinking hope. They need the hope that God's word has. And tonight we're gonna open God's word. And we're gonna talk about what it looks like to have a desperate hope in Jesus, a desperate hope for him. And we're going to look at a story tonight from the Gospel of Mark chapter 5. So I would invite you to grab either your physical Bible or open an app on your, your iPhone, your iPad. In Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21, this, uh, this account is actually in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to look at Mark's version. And Mark chapter 5 says this, And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then one, excuse me, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored Jesus earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So Jesus went with him. So we have here a important man. A man with a name, Jairus, a important official, someone that would have been well-respected, well-recognized by the people. And he comes to Jesus and he falls down before him. Probably lots of the people knew what he was doing. It would have been probably well-known that his daughter was sick. And Jesus most likely moved with compassion, says yes. And he says he will go with Jairus. And today we're gonna look at what happens on Jesus's way. This is what you could call a sandwich miracle because the account of Jairus and his daughter are on either side, yet in the middle is this awesome story that is given to us. And so it says in verse 24 that a great crowd followed Jesus and thronged about him. Now, the crowd here is important because it's going to help us understand the story. This isn't just Jesus and his 12 disciples and Jairus walking down the road, social distancing from each other. Picture the most popular person, crowded places, hundreds, possibly thousands of people packed in. Now, just imagine the buzz that would start to go around as Jesus' heads towards Jairus' house, right? This is news you can't contain. It's going to go Big, that Jesus is headed to heal someone. So if you weren't out following Jesus already out of the boat, you're coming out now. You want to see this miracle as it happens. So throngs of people are crowded in and they're not keeping their physical space. They're pushing right up and around Jesus and the disciples. And then we're introduced to someone else, verse 25. And then there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather she grew worse." We're introduced to this next person. She, unlike Jairus, she doesn't have a name, just that she's a woman. She's of no status, of no importance, of no honor, not even so much so that people wouldn't know her name. And she has this condition where it says that she had been bleeding a discharge of blood for 12 years now this obviously would have put her in great physical pain right as it was most likely uterine bleeding for over a decade and the physical toll that it took was obvious to her as she had spent all that she had so she has been in physical pain for over a decade she is now broke as she has spent everything she has on doctors to try and fix this, and it's actually getting worse. But it's actually her plot in life is a lot worse than just that she's hurting and has no money. See, she would have been in every way isolated from everyone else because of this condition. She would have been religiously isolated. According to the Levitical law, because of this condition of blood, she would not have been allowed to go worship. So for a decade, she would have been not able to go and gather and and offer sacrifices and worship with God's people. And not only that, she would have been socially isolated as well. Because of their restrictions, anyone who came into physical contact with her became unclean. We've talked a lot in these days about being contagious and distancing ourselves. It wasn't just if you touched something that she had, but it was anything that she had done would become contagious. If you laid in the same bed that she laid in, you were now contagious, meaning that if she was married, just imagine what this had done to her marriage. If you sat in the same chair that she sat in, you were contagious. If you touched her or her clothing, you were now considered unclean. And undoubtedly after 12 years of this, she was known for this. Right? This is a small village culture in which she lives. So for 12 years, she's been literally on lockdown at home. You think the last five weeks have been long. Imagine 12 years of this. So she is desperate. But verse 27 says this. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garments for she said if I touch even his garments I will be made well she hears about Jesus and so she goes and touches his garment which in there thinking maybe even the garment of a rabbi held special power And from this woman's actions, we see here, the first characteristic of what it looks like to have desperate hope in Jesus. And that's this, it gives us a devout resolution. A devout resolution. See, this woman would have been locked up at home, but when she hears of Jesus, she knows she has to do whatever she needs to do to get to him. And finally, At this point, she had come to the end of all things and she had only one hope and that hope was Jesus. And when her only hope was in Jesus, there was nothing that could stop her from getting to him. See desperate hope means realizing that Jesus is our only hope and not allowing anything in our lives to stop us from getting to Jesus. See, I hope that this time of change where every single person's life has changed to some extent. I hope that it maybe has stripped us of some of the false hopes that we've placed our hope in, right? What false hopes do we tend to carry in our world today here living, especially for those of us who live in Chicago in the U S of A. Sometimes the false hope is we think that we're in control of our lives that we control our relationships, we control our career, we control our income, we are in control of all of this. And suddenly it's been plainly seen to all of us that we aren't really in control. And for some of us, we've had this false hope that we're controlling the trajectory of our lives. Some of us live with this false hope that we're gonna live forever. Now, none of us actually think that we're gonna live forever, right? But most of us don't really think about our own death or our own mortality. Very often we like to push that off. We don't want to think about that, but in a pandemic, it kind of hits us all the time. We have to think about these things and we're confronted with the reality that life is short, oftentimes shorter than we think and we can't just plan on living forever or being here in 10, 20, 30 years from now. Another false hope that so many of us put our hopes in is the security that money could provide for us. And as our economy has gone down and millions and millions of people are filing for unemployment and others are being furloughed, it's, it's a reminder to us that even our income isn't what we place our hope in. See, false hopes, the Bible has a name for these. They're called idols. Idols aren't just things that you bow down to, but they're things that you place your hope in other than in Jesus. And when our false hopes Are stripped away, we start to realize that Jesus is indeed our only hope. And when we realize that Jesus is our only hope, it should drive us to him. As one author put it a few weeks ago, if life has reduced you to realize that God is your only hope, life has done you a favor. We see people driven to Jesus because of their desperate circumstances, not letting anything stop them all throughout scripture. One of my favorite stories is of a tax collector named Zacchaeus. If you know the story, you probably know the children's song like I do. If you grew up at church where he wanted to see Jesus, but the crowds were too much. So he actually ran ahead, climbed a tree, just so he could get that glimpse of Jesus. Nothing would stop him in getting to Jesus my hope and my prayer for us is that in this season that our false hopes would be stripped away and rather than just finding other things to place our hope in that it would drive us instead to Jesus that as our times or our lives feel like they're being pushed all over the place that instead our circumstances would actually push us to God and Jesus love for us. So this woman had come to the end of herself until finally she realized all I have is Jesus. And so nothing could stop from her getting to him. So just imagine she probably has to bundle herself up, probably maybe wrap herself in clothing. So she's disguised. A lot of people would have known who she was and she sneaks off out of her house into the crowds. She hasn't touched a person intentionally in over a decade, all she's been about is avoiding people. Now, all she can think of is touching someone. Of course, as she's getting close to Jesus, she would have having to be push, pushing people through the crowds, probably saying in her head, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I have to get to Jesus, understanding what it would mean if people realized who she was and that she had pushed, that she had touched them. Until finally, it says this, In verse 29, when she finally got to Jesus, reached out and says, and immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately. See, the second characteristic of desperate hope in Jesus is that it leads to total restoration in our lives. Total restoration. Restoration. See, this woman had complete faith. She had no hope other than Jesus. She reached out, she touched his garments and immediately healing took place for her. Now, this doesn't mean that we need to find someone who claims they have healing powers. And if we go and have enough faith that we'll experience the same type of physical healing. That's not at all what this passage is telling us. But it does remind us of this fact that when we come to Jesus, And when we place our hope in Jesus, the restoration, not of just our physical health, but the restoration of our souls is immediate. When we place our trust in Jesus Christ, salvation happens the moment we place our faith and put our salvation onto Jesus's account instead of what we have done. Scripture is filled with passages talking about how Jesus is indeed our only hope. One which I think is so great is just as, ta- as Paul introduces himself in Timothy. And it says this in 1st Timothy 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God our savior and of Christ Jesus, our hope. Christ Jesus, our hope it, it's in him. And that's the only place that our hope is found. See, you may be asking yourself tonight as we talk about placing our hope in Jesus is Jesus worth placing all our hope in, right? Is Jesus worth placing everything in? Is, is he worth and throwing all our hope in? And I want to remind you tonight and convince you tonight if I can that throwing all your hope on Jesus will never disappoint us. Throwing all our hopes on Jesus will never lead to disappointment. See, I don't know about you, but there's certainly been times in my life where I've hoped for things. And when those things came to happen, when they came to pass, they were kind of disappointing. It didn't meet all the expectations that I had thought. I remember several years ago, it was in the the middle of winter and my wife and I, we were ready to escape, ready to get out and get some sunshine for a week. And so we booked a place, I think it was early spring break season down in Florida for a week. And we were so excited. We left after work, drove late that night so that the next morning we could leave early right as we were about to get to the place perfect right as it was ready for us. And we walked into this room that we had booked on the Internet and it was like this place hasn't been cleaned. The beds not even made the dishes are all dirty disappointing right so we had to call we had to leave and we're like oh that's all right let's go check out the pool that's at this place so we go down to the pool and it I don't know what the temperature was but it was not warm we're like man we're in Florida everything's supposed to be warm every day that week that it was sunny out and we went to go to the ocean it was like 40 mile an hour winds where the sand felt like it was assaulting you And with this great vacation that we had planned, getting away from the winter, experiencing the warmth and the sunshine, it was like, felt like, man, all all that just didn't really work out. It just kind of disappointed at the end of the week. But because our hope in Jesus isn't just based on wishful thinking, it's not just on what we hope that he could do, it's what we wish Jesus could do. But because our hope in Jesus is based on what he's done for us, on the cross and by the resurrecting from the dead. And because our hope in Jesus is based on what he's promised for us, our hope in him will never be disappointed. So when we place our hopes on Jesus, rather than on the false hopes of this world, we will not be disappointed. And the moment we place our hope on him for salvation, just like how in a very instant, the woman experienced healing in one moment, we will experience our souls being transformed the moment we place our hope on Jesus for salvation. So she reaches out, she touches Jesus, and immediately she is healed. She's probably thinking to herself, perfect. She's about to slink out of the crowd. Her life transformed, her life changed forever by the power of Jesus. But something even better than that happens. Verse 30, and Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, 'Uh, Jesus, you see the crowds? Um, Why are you asking who touched me? Right? The disciples, it doesn't say who, but I got to imagine it's Peter, right? If you read any of the other gospels, it's always Peter who's talking first. Peter's like, hey, hey, Jesus, newsflash, there's hundreds, possibly thousands of people pushing up against you. What the world are you talking about? Who touched you? Like, that's a ridiculous question, Jesus. Get it together. Why would you ask that? Verse 32 says this, though He stopped and he looked around to hear, to see, excuse me, who had done it. I imagine that Peter says this, a disciple says it, and suddenly a hush comes over the crowd as Jesus stops and just starts looking. And he starts looking at people, looking them in the eye. Imagine what's going through this woman's heart at this time. Well, the Bible tells us what's going through. It says this in verse 33, But the woman knowing what had happened to her came in fear and trembling and fell down before him. See, why was she so afraid? It could be for several different reasons. It could have been for guilt. Maybe she had thought Jesus knew that someone who is unclean had touched him. And maybe I have made this rabbi, this teacher, this Messiah. Maybe I've made him unclean because of my actions. Maybe she's talking, maybe I illegitimately stole his power from him and I've done something wrong. Probably as she literally, just as Jairus had done, bow down before him, falls on her face before Jesus. She's expecting a scolding. She's done something wrong, something that she shouldn't have done. But she falls down before him and tells him the whole truth. But verse 34 And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Go in peace and be healed. The third characteristic of a desperate hope in Jesus is that it leads to a secure relationship with God. A secure relationship with Jesus himself. See, I don't want us to miss it because it's easy sometimes to, to skip things that are in the passage, but aren't quite so obvious at first reading. So, so look again there at verse 34. Notice what Jesus says to her. He says, daughter. He doesn't say woman. He doesn't just say you have been healed, but he calls her daughter. Where was Jesus going to heal Jairus' daughter? someone who is a part of a family, someone who was loved and had relationship, but this woman didn't have that. There was no one coming to Jesus for her. She was abandoned and alone by her family. She had to go for herself. See, she came to Jesus for physical healing, but she left with so much more because she left with a relationship with the living God. See, it's amazing that in all of the gospel accounts, this is the only instance in which Jesus calls someone daughter. And this is recorded in all three of the Synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record this, that Jesus calls her daughter. See, he's not just healing her, but he's initiating and restoring relationship with her. Jesus loved her too much to let her anonymously slip away through the crowd, but he draws her into deeper relationship with him. See, there's nothing more secure in life than this being a child of God. And I love that this contrast, this story is placed here with Jairus and with Jairus's daughter because it reminds us of this truth that hope in God, hope in Jesus is not reserved for those of status, significance, and importance. That's what Jairus had. He had status, significance, and importance. People would have been like, of course, Jesus wants to go help him. But here comes someone with no name, no status, no significance, no importance. And Jesus calls her daughter. See, in God's kingdom, the nobodies become somebody. And when you place your faith in Jesus, when you throw your hope on him, you become part of the family of God. See, we are secure in this life, not because it's devoid of problems or struggles, but because the presence of Jesus. And because when we have been adopted as children of God, that brings us security, no matter what could come our way. The gospel accounts are filled with stories, not exactly like this, but a lot like this, where people are desperate for hope. And when Jesus shows up, suddenly everything changes that moment. A few, uh, a few verses before this in the gospel of Mark, the disciples are out on a boat, which is their home turf. They were fishermen. But a storm comes and it rocks them and they're afraid for their lives. And Jesus comes out onto the water in the midst of the storm and appears to them, gets in the boat with them. See, the crisis didn't end for the disciples when they got back on the land. The crisis ended the moment they placed their hope in Jesus and realized who he was and that he was there with them in the middle of the storm. See, as followers of Jesus, we don't have to have our hope in Jesus shaken in the midst of difficult circumstances. Jesus promised his disciples and he promises us that in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Because I have overcome the world. When our hope isn't placed on false hopes, but our hope is placed on Jesus. Even when the world is in crisis, our worlds don't have to be in crisis. Just because the world is in crisis doesn't mean your world has to be in crisis. Because when you place your hope on Jesus Christ, it is a secure relationship that nothing in the world could shift, nothing could change, nothing could ever break away. See, when we talk about hope, it's easy just to make it sound like it's some pie in the sky thinking some baseless optimism that we have for the future. But when we talk about what it means to place our hope in Jesus, it's a hope that's sure because it's based on what he's done and it's based on his promises for what he will do. There was a woman who was in quarantine for 12 years. She was desperate with no other hope. So she placed all her hope on Jesus. See, hope has a name and his name is Jesus. God, we do thank you that in Jesus, we have a hope that will always be there, that will always be enough, that will always supply for our every need. God, I pray that you would be for there with us in the midst of this storm, that we would be reminded of your presence. And that even though we find ourselves in the middle of a crisis on so many fronts, God, that we find ourselves secure because we are children of God. We thank you for the hope we have. And I pray that as we live our lives this week, that hope would be made evident that we wouldn't be people of despair or people of fear because we have the hope of Jesus Christ in our lives and in our hearts. pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.